Hi, my name's Jeremy Finch. My name is what? My name is Who? Slim Radley. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Finer Things Club, where we talk about our favorite books in a very civilized way. My name is Zoe Banaja. I'm your host, and I'm here today with Trip and Nick, who are my very good friends. Say hello, guys. Hello. Hi. Um, today, we're going to be talking about Harper Lee's To Kill a Mockingbird. Um, and of course, you may or may not have read this book before, like in high school time. It's a... It's a band book. It's one of like the, a band book. It's like, yeah, it's definitely one of like the more controversial books out there. Yeah, I feel that. I buy that. Um, but before we get into talking about that, I would like to ask the boys, um, what is a book that you would recommend our audience reads? Ursula K. Le Guin, A Wizard of Earthsea. It's like a classic of uh, children's fantasy like right up there with the lion the witch and the wardrobe but for some reason no one ever talks about it um and it's like one of the best books of all time so there you go read that one i i a love what nick just said that's a perfect you know picture of nick portrait of nick i would recommend you read a book called soccernomics which is a book an analytical book about soccer and breaking down uh, statistical anomalies and statistical intricacies and happenings about soccer. If you like soccer, it is a big, thick book. It is very cool. There is a uh, World Cup edition for this past year. Uh, would recommend. Bright red cover, hard to miss in Barnes and Noble, Romans. My book's like 170 pages long and there's dragons in it. Mine is much longer and therefore cooler. And no dragons in his. Fair. I haven't heard of either of those books. What um... would you recommend? I was thinking To Kill a Mockingbird. To Kill a Mockingbird for one. <laughs> um and Tuck Everlasting, which I feel like has a really similar feel almost. That's a sad book. Never I read it. Really that book gave me it. weird feelings when I was a little kid. I oh, read it in one night and I remember like <laughs> like laying down for a long time. <laughs> Just like on the carpet. Kind of like they like, laid down for a long time. I've never read Tuck Everlasting, so it's you about death. Oh, dun dun. It's really lovely. It's a lovely story. It's a good name. I like it. Um, but yeah, let's get into To Kill a Mockingbird. And we're going to start with a 60 second um, summary of the book, if you forgot, because I know you did all of your reading in high school um, and you remember <laughs> what happened. Um, perhaps not. And I'm going to time Nicholas, who is going to do the summary for us tonight. You ready, Nick? Uh, are you ready? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> All right. Hit it. Okay. So basically, it is a coming-of-age story about this little girl who is just Harper Lee, named Scout. That's her nickname. And she grows up with her father, Atticus, who is a lawyer. They live in the deep south in Alabama um, in a very, like, 
southern roots town that's very like focused on their ancestry and stuff and she just kind of comes to terms with growing up and with also there's this big court case where her dad is defending a black man and it's a big thing it's very contentious for his relationship with a lot of people in town and she kind of learns how to reconcile her feelings with growing up um, along with this court case that her father is going through. And not much else happens. There's a lot of little mini episodes. And there's a guy named Boo Radley that she's scared of. But he's human, <laughs> just like you and me. Just like any of us. Just like us all. Uh, not a lot of mockingbirds. No. I'll say that. That's, that's, very that's true. Or maybe there's a lot of mockingbirds. <sighs> well. Subtext. 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 Um, so yeah, that is our a pretty good summary, I would say so myself. I think so. Yeah. Um, you didn't really mention Jim. That's well, fair. Well, I didn't there is mention a brother Jim. Too. There's a brother, yeah, he's there, but Jeremy. He has important scenes, but if you ask me to summarize the book, I'd say Scout. She's scared of Boo Radley. Her dad defends a black man. Yes, <laughs> that was the but main thing. My English teacher would argue that the book is really about Jem. I don't think really? he is the Gatsby of this story. That's odd. Let's okay, okay. But in Gatsby, Daisy's the Gatsby of the story. So, a look. I think Gatsby's overrated. So we're I can't not talking say. about Gatsby. I, I can't. Speak did we do that one on this show? We did do it, but it was one? for my radio show version. Oh yeah. Um, but. No, um, Jem is the only person in the story who goes upon a change. And, like, the story is about, like, at the beginning of the story, Scout's like, I'm a little girl, and I just like to play outside. And by the end of it, <laughs> Scout, or Jem is like, um, you know, he was part of the plan. But by the end, he's like, you know, I'm a grown-up now, and I'm mad about the state of humanity. He's in seventh grade. He's in seventh grade. He understands things. So... Arguably, it's about his. I didn't know I was gonna get put on blast for not saying Jem in the song. <laughs> like, obviously, Jem's an important character. I'm not right. trying to argue he's not. Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, um, she has a brother named Jem. He's a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> Jem's a big deal. Um, but I keep wanting to call him Jeremy Renner. Jeremy. <laughs> this was a novel about Jeremy. Let me remake Renner. this movie, but with Jeremy. Renner. <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy. I don't want to talk about it, Scab. <laughs> you wouldn't understand. He's like tall enough. You Got know? a bow. He's pulled up a bow. <laughs> in the court, in the courthouse, like oh, she doesn't know these words. Okay. <laughs> um. So yeah, that would be our, you know, little A. That's what the story is about. But what? would you guys say is as uh, one of our creative writing professors said, what is our big A? What is a story about in a large sense? What is the author trying to tell us? I think a, a good way of putting the big A would be that it is a about, it is about decency. It is about humanity. It is about uh, like, despite some of the, the uh, descriptions of some of the, writing and prose about black people and women in it. I think a large part of it is taking people for what they are and who they are and not assuming anything about anyone and, you know, ambling about life as though people are all cool and everything is all chill. 
and that um, not and 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 to not have preconceived notions about people and not be prejudiced and not be biased. And uh, I stand by my first word, decency. I think that is what this book is about. I don't think there was a lot of language that was derogatory to black people and women. I mean, obviously there's characters who say some bad things, but I think that as a whole, it's pretty, pretty positive in terms of even both of them. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. Um, Nick, what would you say? Oh, this is capital A? Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, I think decency is a good way to put it. I think Tripp's pretty on the money about decency. I um, I think a good way to look at it would be uh, kind of when Atticus is talking, uh, spoiler alert, in the court case, he's talking, he's, he gives a big... be spoiler. He gives <laughs> a, a big speech about how, you know, in a perfect world the American court system would make us all equal and we would all be the same in the eyes of the law. And I think, um, cause clearly that they're not cause they convict the guy. Um, so I think it's a book about hypocrisy. Mm. I think that's the capital A is hypocrisy. There's especially a part, I can't remember which page it's on and I wish I took better notes where he walked into my bedroom like, I didn't take notes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, neither did Trip. There's a part where Scout is talking about um, the one lady who's going on and on and on about, like, how, oh, this is so unchristian and how, the, how this is super, like, non-Christian of some person or whatever. And she's thinking, like, didn't I just see you, like, moments ago, like, shouting super racist stuff in court at this guy? And she's thinking, like, hmm. It's like baby's first hypocrisy. Mm. Um, I think those are both pretty good points. I cheated, you know. Hmm. I yeah, went on to can. I went on to sparknotes.com. Sparknotes is uh, what's that? Never heard of it. You know the what? Best. Okay, kids. Google Sparknotes. Use Sparknotes. <laughs> Use Sparknotes. It yeah, helps a lot. <laughs> just, just read the book, kids. <laughs> <laughs> That's what this show's about. Um, and I think a really good um, theme in the story, or like a you know a concise theme, is the um, that oh, good and evil coexists. And um, I think that like the whole idea that Atticus who is um, the, who is the main character's father and he's a lawyer and he like is, he's like basically the Dumbledore of the book where he's like, I have a lot of wise things to say. I think Dumbledore is the Atticus of Harry Potter. Hey, oh, true. So yeah, Atticus is the original Dumbledore <laughs> and he's just like, here's some more wise things I have to say. And um, his, one of his like most um, poignant points um, to scout is like hey you know you need to walk around in other people's shoes sometimes and in that way like you can learn to appreciate the good in someone while understanding the bad in someone and that's why we have characters like mrs debose 
who's like this really mean old lady and she like says all these really terrible things to the children and Jem whom the story is truly about um, <laughs> he's like yeah. he's like um all right we'll discuss further later but <laughs> he, he's like dad i they don't call him dad this is a progressive household they call him atticus they're like atticus i hate this old lady she says all this mean stuff about you and he's like you know what son she's a brave lady because she's addicted to drugs and <laughs> <laughs> she's a morphine addict she's, uh, she's breaking right, trying to habit. get off of it she's yeah. breaking her habit so she could die beholden to no one yes so like you know basically um the story is about like you know everybody has good parts in them and everybody has bad parts in them but like as a when you live your life you need to figure out a way to to see both and like not be cynical about it i guess yeah mm-hmm. and, and and towards the end, end end of the book um aunt alexandra says something to jim where he was like you shouldn't say that that's too you know cynical. dash cynical so and he's point. like oh yeah it was actually dill and was it dill? yeah she said uh. it to dill and dill is like dill's their friend who's a character and he's like, like dill. yeah dill's cool dill's truman capote Wow, Nick's obviously going to drop some knowledge on us in a second. Um, but yeah, Dill's like, oh yeah, like, is it cynical to say the truth? And, and Alexandra <laughs> is like, uh, the way that you say it, yeah. yes. <laughs> anyway, what do you... Oh, yeah. So first of all, I'll just preface this by saying that I was born like 10 miles away from wherever this happens. Like, Boo Radley actually lived in the city I was born. Is, sorry for anything, is, is a Maycomb or more accurately probably Macomb? Is that a real county? Or is it, it, is I it think it's, pro- it's, pronounced Ma- it's pronounced Maycomb. Maycomb? It's pronounced Maycomb. Macomb? Macomb. It's Maycomb. <laughs> it's, it's Maycomb. Uh, more um, accurately, Macomb. Macomb, <laughs> Maycomb, Maycomb County? I guess it's in Bama, I suppose. I don't know if it's real, but all the places, I don't think all the is. other, like Birmingham. I think it's fictional. Yeah, no, yeah. Well, like Birmingham's obviously real. I've been there. Uh, Boo Radley's from Pensacola, which is where I was born. That is. And uh, their cousin, they go home to Mobile over Pan Christmas. Handle. Which we used to go to Mobile. Like, that's, like, it's all, I know all these places. Point being, is, Nick is country. Yeah, or I was born there, but <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Nick's an educated country. Yeah, I'm like the Atticus. <laughs> Nick is the Dumbledore of <laughs> Dumbledore the, of my own life. The things club. <laughs> Point B. What I was saying is that when um when Harper Lee was a kid, you know, she like obviously this is written, you know, kind of from her own experiences. Like all the characters are made up, but Scout is supposed to be her, and Dill was Truman Capote author of Breakfast at Tiffany's and In Cold Blood and a lot of other famous um, books. He grew up with Harper Lee and spent the summers there and went home. And so whenever you read about Dill and she talks about Dill having this crazy imagination and always coming up with stuff. I'm going to cry. Yeah, she was talking about her friend Truman Capote. That's I, us in the future, I guys. I did not know that at all. <laughs> We'll, we'll have characters like us in our stories. Yeah. We're high five. Congratulatory. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually super cool. I was not aware of it. Yeah, well, Truth Bomb. Truth Bomb. Tom Robinson was actually uh, Michael Jordan. 
Wait, it's Michael Jordan. <laughs> you know who I'm thinking of? <laughs> who are you thinking of? Trayvon Martin. No. What? <laughs> <laughs> Nick. <laughs> Don't. Hang on. I'm white. <laughs> I'm from the South. Um, I'm thinking about who's the one who plays the the cute bad guy in in. Um, Michael B. Jordan. Michael B. Jordan. Yeah. And who's the Michael Jordan? <laughs> they both have the same name. Okay. That, that's that, why he has a B in his name, so we know. I, so, so he's. That's actually just, super helpful. What? Michael Jordan's in Black Panther. <laughs> you know what? I'm just learning but stuff. He's Creed. He's Creed. I could have just said that. He's Adonis Creed. He is Adonis Creed. I didn't Creed. see that. Um. Cool. Well. Anyway, what would you guys say is a success of this novel? The prose, yeah, I think uh, I think it it, it uh, contrasts very, very neatly, very prominently. Apologies, I think it contrasts greatly to the last book we read for the Final Things Club, <laughs> being Thirteen Reasons Why, where that or that was you know just just gosh awful, just gosh awful. Gosh darn awful! This I think I think one of the um, the best things this book does is because you know Scout is a child. She is in like first through third grade in this book pretty much, and the writing is still that of an adult and smart words and you know reasonable prose and you know interesting thoughts and you just it's very very well written and they're able to frame it through the through the fact that. Atticus is a lawyer, so Atticus has taught Gem and Scout or exposed Gem and Scout to these fancy words. And so that's why it's reasonable that this young child has such an understanding grasp. of the language and such, you know, like a uh, extensive vocabulary. So I think that Harpley does a very good job of writing smartly without it being unbelievable. I mean, I think that. Um, to contradict you slightly, oh, hey, um, there's Ooh. like a um, something that um, another one of our professors has mentioned a couple times. Like this story is told past mm-hmm. tense. Mm-hmm. Like this is a story yeah. the, the, of Scout Jean Louise, the main character, looking back, and we know that um, as a fact because she's like um, in the first few pages, she's like, "Oh, when we were this age and." Um, Jim broke his arm and we discussed when he was nearly 13 my brother Jim got his arm badly broken at the elbow which is what happens at the very end of the book too and so anyway (laughs) this story is told in the voice of an adult woman and so like you know she has the grasp the narrator has the grasp of an adult but like does it with a mix of like you know, she's only telling us what she picked up as a child Mm -hmm. and then like allowing the reader to make connections that like, she doesn't make all the connections that she would as an adult, Mm. but she's using the language of an adult. Yeah. It's because it's all past tense, but it has this, this almost conversational, it almost sounds like, like you can tell she's a kid at parts because the way she talks she has this this child's grasp of the world. Like it will be Harper Lee recounting the story in past tense, and then Scout will be like saying she'll be repeating things that she's heard without knowing what they're meaning. And just mm-hmm. the way that the prose is written, you can like tell, you know, even though this is being recounted, it's being recounted 
as from the child's point of view. And it's very well done that you, I, even the whole book through, you're connecting with it and feeling like I understand all these thoughts and all these feelings, but also you're feeling like this is a kid and it feels like this is a kid's point of view. And I think that's a really big success that it can feel so much like it is actually mm -hmm. a seven-year-old for the first time encountering all these things. And it really draws you into this idea of coming of age a lot more than I think other coming of age books do. Cause you kind of feel like you are progressing through the years with her mm -hmm. throughout the whole context of the story. Whenever something is presented to you, it kind of feels almost like it's your first time approaching the subject. Kind of like when Atticus says something and it's so wise and so profound and you think, oh, but yeah, I've heard that before. You know, like I'm a grown person she reading hasn't. this book, but she hasn't. And just hearing it and hearing her own reactions to it and the ways that she takes it in, it kind of makes you re-examine the same things and kind of feels like you're learning and growing with her. And it's also helpful, like, in the sense that, like, historically, um, because, you know, some of the stuff, it like, it allows the author to explain certain aspects of, like, life that in, in that time. Like, um, there was one I wanted to bring up, I was laughing, because he, they were discussing a, a white man who, like, lived amongst the Black people, <laughs> and he had uh, a bunch of mixed ch children, and there was a line there, she's like, what's a mixed child? And they were like, it's a person who was half Black and half white. They're real sad. <laughs> That's like true. Not, not false. True. I'm real not sad. inaccurate. But um, you know, it, it was something that necessarily that wouldn't necessarily have to be explained to an adult in that time because they would just understand that. And it's really helpful um, for us in this time to be able to be like, oh, I don't understand why everybody's so upset about this or like what the deal is here. Um, and I don't know, that's just foresight on this author's, you know, part or just like, you know, as a happy coincidence for you had to be like, wait, I don't really understand this dynamic here. And neither does Scout, coincidentally. And she can, you know, Jem explains it for you. I, <laughs> Go ahead. I was like, like, I, I I also was um, on a different note. I also was a very big fan of just how um, Maycomb. It's been decided. Maycomb. Maycomb. Yeah, haters. I I I I think Harper Lee did uh, did quite an impeccable job of of setting like a, like a mood and setting an atmosphere and having Maycomb be a living entity. Mm -hmm. And how I don't think that really the crux of the book starts until about a hundred or so pages in. And how a lot of it is just describing the small, insignificant happenings around Maycomb and, you know, Miss Maudie and Miss Sadie and all these people. And once Aunt Alexandra gets there, you know, her and her, you know, meeting with the women of the, of the town, I think she sets up Maycomb as a, as a living, breathing entity. And I think that's... Um, what one of our pressures also from college said. We went to college, guys. We did. We're we're all fancy. Talking about books on a podcast. Um, 
and uh, and one of our professors had a term "news of the world," and the essence of it was essentially that like you want to, if you're writing prose, you're writing literature, you want to make it seem like your world is lived in, and that your world will have things happen despite or without influence from what you are writing. And I think that she does a very, very good job of that in this book. And that it seems like Make Home yeah. is this thing, even though she more than once is like Make Home is kind of like a little town set in stone, set in time. It's, you know, kind of its own entity. I think that she does a, and a quite amazing job, frankly, of making it seem like it's, a thing that is happening. It is all around you. Make home is its own little small entity that is happening and living and breathing and uh, will, and is existing without the uh, events of this book. So I think that's another thing that I think Harper Lee did a very, very good job of. Mm -hmm. It benefits from the last time I was here, I was discussing 1984. So make home Macomb benefits <laughs> from the fact that Macomb, Alabama <laughs> haters. It benefits from the fact that not only is this like a real part of the country where people really acted like this and thought like this, and to a large extent, you know, there's more Wi Fi there now, but it's very much a similar place still. That it benefits from having all that to draw on as opposed to like George Orwell's fictional London, mm. which is completely, you know, he's imagining this new place that society could go to. So, you know, his own triumph there for Orwell was trying to make that seem like a believable world. This one has that, you know, that plus of this really happens. Like, you know, change all the names to real names and pretty much everything that happened in this book. Pretty much anything someone said or did in this book has been done or said by someone somewhere in Alabama before. Mm. Like right down yeah. to the court case even. Yeah. Like it, it's all happened before. Yeah. And Harper Lee just had the good, um, just the talent and skill and, you know, good fortune to grow up in that time and be able to record it kind of as it was and do it so well that we can look back on it and be like, oh, look at this amazing piece of fiction, this amazing piece of literature. And she's, it's almost, it's almost just like journalism mm. in a sense. Cause it really is just, you know, just a, like a journalistic view of a small town in the South from the point of view of a seven year old. Yeah. Um, and she's just recounts all the little things that happens. And then, you know, obviously it's her job as a writer to tie it all together, to give it themes and to make it kind of resonate. But it feels so realistic because it really is. Like all this stuff happened. It's not quite so made up. Right. Well, um, do you have any, I mean, this feels a little bit more difficult because like, um, you know, I don't want to, this is obviously like a classic and it was so amazing and it was so great and it feels silly for me to ask this sort of thing. But do you feel as if there were any failures in this book? I'm yeah. hard pressed. Trip says, yeah, I'm hard pressed. I, I, I was just reminded and I was just talking about this before we started recording that when I was reading through the book for the second time, I just was constantly page after page reminded that this might be like this is in my top 
three favorite books, if not like one of the favorite books that I have. Like I always forget how much I enjoy it. Just it really feels like close to literature perfected and yeah. i would love to it's hear fabulous. what everyone else has to think about what they think is wrong with it because i'm sure that i'm just a little jaded mm-hmm. there's probably <laughs> plenty of things that are wrong with it and i'd love to hear them if you ask me i think things that are wrong with it i think you'd be nitpicking a bit yeah. i mean there's some there's some uncouth language that doesn't pass as well in today's it's not quite society. pc not quite pc i remember being in high school reading it and all the all the little white kids like vibrating in their seats like <laughs> wanting to say the n-word <laughs> being like oh i want to read it <laughs> i want to read it out loud were they letting the kids say it i remember not my class because my mom not my mom my mom taught the year after we read it in 10th grade and my mom was 11th grade teacher um in 10th grade there were students who wanted to say it um, they told us not to. They told us to skip over it. But I remember when older students at my school were going through that class with a different teacher, they were told, because this is literature and we're doing like literature, you can say it, but you shouldn't. And there were like a couple of kids who I think did. But most of them were like, uh, most kids didn't even want to read out loud, let yeah. alone. They, and they read That's so funny. slow, they'd be like, Jim picked up anyway. A rock. Um, yeah, I feel I don't remember what my school did. I imagine it was. I, I feel like now I would be like, "What's gonna happen?" Like that's the first thing I would think of. Like, what's the situation gonna be? But back then, I wasn't. I was thinking. I don't even like. I don't even like having the ox chord. Like when I'm hanging out with a bunch of white people, because I'm like, dang, I want to pick a song. I don't want to hear. I don't have to be like, oh, are they gonna say it or not? <laughs> I don't want to do it. But um, <laughs> uh, okay. Kanye West, Gold Digger. Yeah, I'm like, no. You don't mess with no bro, bro. White people be like, <laughs> I can say it. So um, yeah, that's that's. And Nick Trip, what were you gonna say? I'm sorry. Um, no, I was say like I I. Gen- generally agree with Nick that um, while I was rereading this, I was like, this is just a damn good story. This is just a really good story told, you know, it's it's a little long, but I felt like it was told pretty concisely. If there were two things that I would complain about, um, and I've read this about three or four times now, uh, not all the way through per se, but I've I've, I've read fair bits of it a few times and I've seen the movie um, reading it this time. I was, I was kind of struck by Atticus's character. I think mm. honestly, he's a good man. I think he's a virtuous, you know, well-to-do man, but it, he, he struck me a bit overly passive. It, it seems like he, he like understood, you know, the, the, the cruelness of the world and how the world worked and, you know, that Tom was bound to be, uh, you know, determined guilty and whatnot. But it just seemed like in his interactions with Jem and Scout and in general, it, it, it seemed like he was passive and just kind of let things come to him as opposed to try and influence or change them. And I don't know if that's a cogent point or not, but that 
that is one thing that struck me. I was like, it seems like this character is is okay. He it's almost kind of like he seemed like he was so smart that he had you know overcame some you know burden of humanity where like ah their people suck she's like yeah i know people suck so i'm just not gonna let it get to me but you know they described his talking a lot as you know flat and just very you know short and very you know succinct and as it is and just something about his character just i guess it's not really a problem with the book per se but it's just something about him and and how he was it just struck me it was like huh I understand you're this virtuous, kind-hearted, good man, but it just seems like, I don't know, passive. He's passive. I, I, I thought he was a bit passive. Um, and, you know, even, even more nitpicky, I, like, I thought there were a few chapters, especially towards the end, that just where nothing happens. Like, very, very little of consequence happens, especially when there, there's the chapters. <laughs> All right, hold us up for one second. Okay. Let's take a two-sec break. <laughs> 100%. 100%. Oh, all right, we're back. They're pretty started arguing. Yeah. Trip <laughs> thinks there are oh, chapters no. where nothing happens. Oh, totally. That is not a single chapter there are, where nothing happens. There happened. are chapters where very... Trip, I just read the whole book again. Very... <laughs> In that break? <laughs> I, I read the whole book, and someone only read 240 pages of it. I feel like there are some... Towards the end... Like you know, which one? but like I think between chapters twenty five and the end ish, that's like six whole chapters. Yeah, but some of them are very very short. One chapter, in, at least this copy that I have, is like literally about like a page and a half. Do you know which chapter it is? Because I want to find out and tell you what's in it. You know, this is riveting podcasting, but I did not mark it down. But trip, like your point is moot. If you can't find it in the book, it's not there. If I will find it at a later point when you're speaking and I'm not, I just, th- and again, this is very nitpicky. I just, some of the chapters felt like they were exposition, but it felt like exposition very late in the book when it seems like we kind of had a feeling for what's happening. What, and basically what I'm talking about is when, you know, after, after the trial and after you find out that Tom gets killed, Tom gets killed and <laughs> gasp. And it and, and it's just talking about, you know, Aunt Alexandra and and like the meeting of the women of uh, Macomb or whatnot. That's, that's, what so talk about. that's such though. an important they talk Stop. there's so many okay. things wrapped up okay. in that. I, okay, 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 okay. okay. It's boring because okay. a bunch of ladies in the South talking and you were like, Oh, this is boring. I it just was so interesting for Chip. Chip, just, they were talking about these ladies were sitting around talking about they were talking about the poor black people in Africa and they're not like you know for one for one of the things it was like about their hypocrisy and like being like okay they're like oh the poor black people in Africa but you know you know scouts like what about the poor black people in your own neighborhood and whatnot anyway I do also want to before we get into that um I I actually really enjoyed Atticus's character mm-hmm. and in in this and I, I thought that he was a very like passionate person. I think he was just like um I didn't dislike him. Just to put that out was, of there. I thought that was a very good character, but Yeah, I continue. I don't know. I just I thought I thought he was quite like you know I think because it's through the eyes of a child, like, you know, 
you a lot is something that you have to like pick up and you have to be like, oh, Atticus is feeling this way. Yeah. And Atticus is like implying this and that you scout wouldn't necessarily pick up. Um, but I thought him to be quite a passionate man. I think I decided I, I was like, maybe I'll marry a lawyer. <laughs> That's how much I liked him. Nick has something to say. He's shaking his hands. Uh, um, I, I could do a whole trip's fattest thing. We'll get to it in a second. I could do a whole podcast. Okay, so it's short. That means that she no. got to her point and put something worthwhile in there. Okay, Trip thinks chapter 25 is pointless. No. I'll get to that in a second. I'll get to that in a second. What I was going to say He's riled up. is that I could do a whole podcast on Atticus. Like, I love Atticus. And if you, like me, also love Atticus, don't read her other book isn't he i like want to talk about that racist yeah. we'll talk yeah, about that in a wait, second what happened but That's I, terrible. I, I want to say that because i do a lot of writing of my own and <laughs> we're writers yeah we're, <laughs> we're writers but she says atticus is like one of my all-time favorite characters in a book and just he has so ruined this concept of of a good parent for me that I can't, I can't write parents in my stories. Cause every time I do, I'm like Atticus. <laughs> and I just like, how do I write a parent that seems believable? Cause all the adults in this book, especially in contrast to the children, cause so much of this book is adults interacting with a seven-year-old and Atticus is like the only one who seems to get it. And I just can't, figure out <laughs> i just can't figure out how harper lee did such a good job of writing this like perfect father figure and i don't know i have a lot of good feelings about atticus and then i read the second book and i'm just keeping them separate, separate pieces of fiction weird you should um, read it though it's good go set a watchman go set a watchman when I read it, I thought it was better than To Kill Mockingbird. I don't think that's true. I think that there a were take. A, a lot of uh, personal feelings that I was going through when I read it that resonated with me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Hey, don't laugh. It's hey, literature. No, yeah, no, it's I literature. Understand. You I understand. Should feel. I get it. Wait, can you just say that one one more time? Just say to send a watchman's better than To Kill Mockingbird? It's not. Just it's say, not. Just please? It's not. Well... <laughs> just just put that in earlier earlier in the podcast i said to kill a i'll just Bruce, figure out how to edit i guess <laughs> one of my top three favorites and ghost at a watchman's not even in like the top 20 so but Fair. it is very good and if you like literature you I did, should read it i did want to read it. what is spoilers if i'm like what is the premise of that the premise of the book is that it's like 20 years later scout is like 25 years old and she has been living elsewhere and she comes back home to make home and she is interacting with a very old, like 70 something Atticus. And I don't remember there being quite as much of a plot as in the first book, but the big thing that everyone seems to remember about that book and that everyone talks about. And one of the more major points is that she kind of questions Atticus about this case and the interesting thing about that book, Ghost at a Watchman, is that it was the first book that Harper Lee wrote. So when she sat down to write her book, she wrote Ghost at a Watchman like as it is, as it was published. Like that's what she wrote. Interesting. And then later, 
she was, you know, shopping it around and she couldn't get it sold. And I think, I think the story goes, and I could be totally wrong, but I think the story goes a publisher was more interested in hearing about Scout as a child. So she wrote a whole new book, which was this one. So they're separate but related because the one book was already written and then she wrote a whole new book with the same characters at a different age. So they're kind of different characters entirely. But in Ghost at a Watchman, she's questioning Atticus all about this court case from when she was a kid. And she's saying, I remember all these things, but I was seven and I don't know how well I remember them. And I don't remember how I felt about things. And I remember people were saying all these bad things about you, but I don't remember what was going on. And it's basically her saying like, please clear up for me what happened. And Atticus is just this very old kind of cantankerous man who's very similar to the Atticus in this book, except that he seems very like, I didn't like Tom and I don't care for black people and I didn't want to defend him, but like I had to do my job kind of thing. And it was just a really weird, like Atticus who keeps saying like, if I could have not defended him, I wouldn't have. And like, I don't think he should have got off. And like, I think that this man really did bad things and black people are bad. And it's just like this weird racist old Atticus. And it's just very strange and important to remember that the Atticus that she wrote in that book is not Different. the same Atticus. Because she wrote that first. That she, yeah, because she wrote that first. And she wrote a whole new story. It's different. Yeah. The one story is about a girl who says, Dad, why did you defend this black man? He says, I didn't want to. And the other story is uh, same character, same name, but totally a different character completely. Yeah, yeah. Because that's like something that is so, and it's very interesting that she would choose to release that book because I feel like it automatically puts a real nasty feeling in your stomach. You're like, what? <laughs> he was racist the whole time. It's very <laughs> nasty. Like, and I just read that book. I just read this book. It doesn't make sense. So it doesn't know. make sense because if you read Just to Kill a Mockingbird, which you, if you haven't, you should. And you if should. you didn't, you should go to school. Um, <laughs> Not to crash on anyone who didn't go to school, but um, Scout yeah. didn't want to go to school. Scout didn't want to go to That's school. Another one of the big Atticus made school's her bad. School is bad. School is bad. Don't go. That's that's what. But if you don't go to school, is. you'll end up like the Yules. That's true. Oof. That's also part of it. That is the problem. Point being, you know, Atticus is not a racist. Um, <laughs> Ghost at a Watchman is a different Atticus. Still a good book. Um, yeah. Anyway, um, Trip, did you find your chapter 25? What did you want to say about it? Oh, no, I'm just saying that. They, they, it's they a were, page long. Yeah, like, 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 I believe it was on 2.30. I think like, there's like, okay, so this is a book that we, a lot of people read in school. And I think, I, I do want to talk about this more, about like how, like, what books do we choose to read in school and like how we choose to study them. And like, you know, I think reading this book without having to be like, what does this represent? What does this mean? Like, because like looking at spark notes and stuff, um, you know, there's a really interesting chapter where it snows for the first time in years and years and years. And um, they make a snowman and then like their neighbor's house burns down. <laughs> and then there's like another scene where like, 
uh, another chapter where this dog comes down in the middle of February and every and it has um, rabies and they shoot it and everybody's really unsettled and like freaked out by it and they're like, why they're is like, it a mad February? dog in February? Mad dog in February and I, I <laughs> looked up and you know like these are like cool interesting things you're like hmm what a scene what a chapter now I have that little bit of in- like you know information and like you just like accept it but like when you Google, for example, why like why are they so why are they so pressed about it being February? It's because like mad dogs usually occur in August, quote quote. And so <laughs> like this is what the Spark Note said. And it is like racism, it is out of place. And I was like, well, really? Do we really have to like, you know, like a fire in snow, like it is out of place, racism is out of place, and da-da-da, and it like unsettles everybody. And it's like, I don't know. Like that's the exact opposite part of the book. It's really, that's <laughs> like, well, I mean, like but that's, that's what, like, you know how how kids are often asked to read these books. Yeah, and like, I don't know that that is always helpful. However, when we talk about, uh, I, I, you know, I didn't make you let, let you make your point yet. But when we talk about these small chapters when you're like oh nothing happened you have to consider like okay but she's probably there's probably a metaphor in there there's probably a lot of themes in there and like we don't have to say that every rabid dog is a like metaphor for racism but we could also be like okay we understand what the narrator or the author was trying to say um in that and saying that what happens in chapter 25 Chapter 25 oh boy. opens with um, she finds a roly-poly and she's playing with it and Jen's telling her not to. Like, and she's gonna kill she's it. saying, I want to kill it. And he's saying, it didn't bother you, so don't kill it's it. It's a mocking. And then like a page later, scene. it goes, a page later, it talks about. I was like, uh, I can't go hang out with Dylan, Jem while they're swimming because they're naked. It talks about when they write a page in the newspaper all about tom robinson running away and getting shot and they have there's an obituary and there's an editorial about it and it's talking about um it's talking about it actually makes the connection it says he likens tom's death to the senseless slaughter of songbirds by hunters and children which i mean the name of the book is to kill a (laughs) mockingbird so you could say this is the chapter where harper lee says this is what the book is about. Especially, yeah, with um, what I just said, with the roly-poly, mm-hmm. um, at the very beginning of the chapter, she's like, I'm going to kill this. And he's like, "Don't! it didn't do nothing to hurt you, Scout. Yeah, is that so, a direct quote? How no, close is he that? Says, Pretty close. She says, why couldn't I mash him? And he says, because they don't bother you. And then so she close. says, <laughs> reckon you're at the stage where you don't kill flies and mosquitoes now, I reckon. And then he says, oh, dry up. And then she says... Jem was the one who was getting more like a girl every day. And that's important because he's growing up and realizing you don't just kill things to kill things. And she's saying, oh, I'm seven. I want to kill a bug. (laughs) (laughs) And then it becomes all about, you know, about the, the court case. And it becomes really poignant and important. This quote, Tom was a dead man the minute Mayella Ewell opened her mouth and screamed. Like, that's an important line. Like, chapter 25 could have just been that line. And it would have been important. So yeah, it's all in well, there for a can reason. Can you imagine if that was that just the chapter? That would have been edgy. That <laughs> would have been so edgy. Allen Ginsberg's to kill a mockingbird. 
Um, Trip, I'm sorry. I feel like we kind of oh no tore you down a little bit. No, I didn't tear it down. It's cool. This 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 is a uh, an exchange of ideas. (laughs) (laughs) Exchange of ideas. Some correct and (laughs) (laughs) and some trips. That's fine. (laughs) I didn't say I didn't say anything. Um. So, when did you guys read this in school? Eighth grade, tenth grade. I really don't remember. I really, I thought like I didn't remember anything from this book, but I remembered all the scenes. I remembered mm-hmm. the lessons. I remember being in class and being like, see, isn't this important? <laughs> yeah. And I'm really, like, I don't know. Did your teacher speak with the same Southern accent? I don't know. <laughs> and then, so I wonder what I you guys so. think, like, you know, when we talk about like what books are read in schools, like, you know, um, did you guys read 1984? No. No. Okay, I guess maybe. I don't know if that's like a normal thing. Because that well, one was like yes, a but not. Ha ha. That was a little Fire Things Club inside joke. Yeah, that's for you long time listeners. Bang. <laughs> um, you know, something, some books I feel like are too. Like, not. I don't know. Why, why do you think we here's, pick these books? Here's what I feel. I feel that, you know, the books that they choose in for schools usually, usually are chosen very well. I think there's a big problem. There's several big problems. One is that the teachers often are not good enough to teach the material. <laughs> Two All is, my English teachers were amazing. Yeah, most of mine were pretty good. Uh, one of them was my mom. She was great. Love you, love you mom. Uh, <laughs> shout out to Nick. Shout out to Mrs. Meadows. Um, anyway, I think a lot of the teachers don't know how to teach the material. I think that uh, a lot of kids just don't read any of it. And I knew, like, I only knew like two kids who and read any of the books, and everyone else just didn't even crack it open. Like, bought yeah. the book, brought it to class, didn't read a word of it. Um, and, you know, so if the kid's not reading the book, they're not going to get anything from it. But how do you convince them to I read the think book? the biggest problem is that you try to make the kids read the whole book. And when you are 15 years old and presented with To Kill a Mockingbird, where it could very easily be argued, especially by a 15-year-old who doesn't want to read a book, that the first 100 pages, nothing happens, and the last... 70 pages nothing happens and that really the only thing that happens is in like the three chapters where they're in the court case because if you're trying to teach this book to a kid you're trying to teach them for the big a capital letter ideas about hypocrisy about human decency about how on earth could this happen to another human being like how could they do this to someone that is like the big thing that you're supposed to read this book as a kid and like learn you're supposed to read it and be like, we need to walk in other people's shoes. We need to see everything someone's going through. We need to not leap to judgments. And these are all things you're trying to teach kids, which is very important. But a kid's not going to read a 300-page book and pluck those themes out of there. So I don't know. I just think it's really hard to teach kids, especially in high school. Kids. Especially trying to teach them literature because literature is not an art form. That people don't read anymore. People don't read anything. I feel like that's not true. Kids, people are reading. People are reading. Okay, yes, people are don't reading. Don't be but, cynical. But by and large, people aren't reading. 
I think like people are watching Bird Box. I um is which is also a book that's our next episode. Hello everyone. Oh, you read Bird Box? Um, y'all find it things. Yes, yes, yes. Um, and yeah, I mean, um, like I do think it's like an issue because like you know as a teenager I really enjoyed reading and I just like refused to read the books I was assigned like literally <laughs> for school like you know at my school was trying to be like cool and hip and like trying to include books that were like um in pop culture we read the book thief and I had literally we read the book thief and it was really cool but we had, I had literally read the book before and when she assigned it, I was like I ain't gonna read that so like, <laughs> um you know I don't know what it is and I don't know how to high schoolers don't want to be told what to do especially a time commitment like 323 pages about the deep south well, from the point of view of a six-year-old. Or if you're a real person, you read the small font, 281 pages. But I think, but to, to Nick's point, is that like, yeah, the first hundred or the first hundred, but like first, you know, 70-ish five pages are, you know, about them antagonizing Boo Radley. And then like that doesn't come to a head until literally the last 10 pages of the entire book. Is that is when finally this Boo Radley, you know, arc is, you know, culminated and finished. And it's called good plotting trip. I mean, no, I like it. I thought it, I, I think it's cool, kind of, that like kind, kind of, of that's just like you're like, oh yes, the, the like the whole first fifth or so of the book is just them effing with Boo Radley and messing with Boo Radley and almost getting shot trying to, you know, find Boo Radley. And then and then just on page two seventy in my book, just hey boo. I said, and then the chapter starts, chapter starts, Mr. Arthur, honey, said Atticus, gently correcting me, you know, and it just, it's just like, there's, it's like the thing that, that, you know, you are initially drawn to with this story does not come back until it is over. So I think it is very easy for high schoolers, you know, young, young, young younger kids to, ah, uh, yes, this is about, you know, uh, like a monster character, essentially, in, in Boo Radley. And then that that plot is dropped for almost the entire book, and the real book takes place in the middle of this happening. But that's like also really interesting. I think Tom Robinson's no. story, like I think that course case scene is like a really. I thought that was, was the, like you know, those that's are the kind of thing you're like oh, oh no 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 book and you're no like, that's I I John Grisham. I think I think now that is th- that like the court scene was easily the most interesting, and you know, it was just enraptured you. But you know, as a high schooler and as a kid, like I understand why. Oh yes, like ah, this must be about them battling Boo Radley, for lack of a better term. And then like Boo Radley disappears for almost the entire book. Um, so like, I understand like what you were saying, where it's like this perhaps might not capture the imaginations and the and intellect and mind. Well, I mean, well, that's okay. fair. That's, my, that's true too. My it's a good point. What I think is the good thing about it is that like okay even if you're not reading the book you're being tested on it so you have to have some kind of knowledge <laughs> like you have to you know you have to reading be reading quizzes. the spot you have to be reading the right sparks there. notes or whatever one year but after the other. like you know in class you're having these discussions so you have some kind of memory <laughs> led by the same it. two people i was always one of them yeah me too <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's why like, i'm I here and <laughs> gets when in the gatsby unit it was you, literally me and one girl across the the classroom and she'd be like i love gatsby and i'm like gatsby's the worst i think nick was gay like, <laughs> no i think it was daisy <laughs> anyway 
Um, I think like, you know, it sticks, it sticks with you um, to it. And then like, you know, maybe you'll be like in the future, you're like, Hey, this was a book that obviously adults think is important for adults to read. So maybe I'll take another gander. I think books are going out. Says who? Okay, says here. Says, Wait, let it me, says let everyone me, okay. for the history of books. It says for the history Gandhi of books, is which is word. very short. Think about how long books have been around. It's not that long. A few hundred years ago, the printing press was invented. The Guggenheim Bible? Come on, son. It's not Guggenheim. Whatever but it is. <laughs> it's Gutenberg. Ah, but, same thing. So Gutenberg invents the printing press. Books become like a thing for a few hundred years. Yeah. And now books are going away because we're moving into the future. <laughs> Books are very small. I mean, text and stories and all that is going to be around forever. I think books are already have been on the way out for a little while. And it's just hard to engage a kid with a book. Uh, And 15 years from now, 15 years from now, if we're still reading books in high school. I just don't think that's true. I think that like, you know, like there's definitely a lot of more of, scrolling and like you know looking at stuff on you know the internet or whatever but like people still read like libraries have their hours cut and then they're back up again people are using the library really yeah i mean the library all the time yeah i mean they were cut like when i was in high school Um, (laughs) and i think that people read like the, the way that people get excited when they see me reading like for this podcast proves to me that people care about reading. They're like, yeah, I like that book. I'm like, you really listen to my podcast. Um, but like, so I think you, you know, uh, like people are doing it. It's just like, not necessarily the, the olden days when there's literally nothing to do except for like, be like, what's, I mean, I guess I'll read this. I saw an interesting statistic on the internet just a few days ago. I think it, it was talking about people who read as adults and I, or not even as adults, just people who read. And it was something like 75% of people who actively read are women. <laughs> and then 25% We're of killing it, ladies. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just us. Um. Anyway. Guys um, like football. And sports. The Eagles won today, thank goodness. What does that even mean? That means the Rams play the Cowboys. Anyway, we're, we're, not, we're wrapping it up this time. So I'm going to um, ask you some quick questions. The, ooh, why do you um, like it? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who Radley? Um, who, or do you think people are mostly good or evil? Uh, evil. <laughs> but, but with the capacity for good. I would say evil with the sometimes just like desire to not be but generally evil yeah what is it a sin to kill a black person (laughs) specifically one is it a sin or what is it what what is it a sin to kill not a mockingbird. If you if you were if you were heartbroken and you were like i need a metaphor for black people it is a sin to kill a uh, good heartedness or innocence. Uh, that was the metaphor you would use. You would use literally <laughs> to kill be, innocence. It would be as if you killed innocent you said- scouts. This is really hard to Whoa. lightning rounds come up with a profound Whoa. metaphor. <laughs> Whoa. 
but uh, I don't know. <laughs> take down not a mockingbird because most kids I know <laughs> aren't, aren't shooting birds with BB guns, anyways. Um, but uh, I don't know a snail. Yeah, a roly poly. That's good. Trip killed a snail. Um, <laughs> what of Maycomb County's agricultural products would you be for the Halloween pageant? <laughs> I I want to be. Uh, scalps ham. I think scalps I'd be collard greens or, or, or crackling bread because that sounds delicious. Or the cow. I just like the notion of like a child being a being a ham or a cow for Halloween is hilarious. I'd like to be a cow. That would be, be a ham because I like animals more than I like. Be a Why is pig? one a ham and one a cow? Because no one being, likes pigs. They're being fucking rude, man. Sorry, <laughs> they're being just being really rude. That's a swear word. It was a swear word. <gasps> That's what, calling the cops. That's what Chapman Radio taught us, though. You say a swear word, just ignore it. I'm not ignoring it. I'm drawing all the attention to so it. Boys. Yeah, so, boys. <laughs> <laughs> what would you give this book out of a five? Four and a half. Five. Or like 4.99. My mom says that no one ever turns in a perfect essay, so she couldn't give anyone a 100. Well. I've I've also had teachers and professors tell me that too. But I think this book's a five. It's a bit of a poppycock statement, but I think it's. I would say it's like a four. I, I feel four point five. Would you give it on yeah. Goodreads? I don't know yet. I Just, don't remember. And you know, for the uh, for I'm the, gonna give it a four. I'm gonna give it a five. For the continual listeners, four and a half would be a full three points better than. 13 reasons why oh he didn't like it and just because i did not you know talk enough crap about that book last time i'm going to continue it and just say uh if if you want to read a book go all the way out of your way to read this as opposed to jay asher's trip <laughs> okay why. welcome to your tape <laughs> anyway so what are you guys going to read next now that you finished to kill Pockingbird? I have a mountain. I have a lot to read. I'm already in the middle of a book. What are you reading, Nick? It's called The Bone Hunters. It is a fantasy book. We've talked about this before, right? I I, I, I feel like the name sounds familiar. I have not talked about it specifically with you. I like it. I can highly recommend it. There's a fantasy series called The Malazan Book of the Fallen by Stephen Erickson. (laughs) Wow. It is like... Okay, earlier in the podcast, I recommended The Earthsea by Ursula K. Le Guin, which is, I think, the benchmark for all fantasy. I think Earthsea is the best fantasy, and I think Malazan, which I'm only six out of ten books in the series, but I already think that it is, like, the second best. I think that it's, like, the benchmark of modern fantasy. So read that. Read Steven Erickson. I'm going to read one of either Brave New World by Aldous Huxley, Soma. Uh, Animal Farm by George Orwell, or Console Wars by an author whose name I don't remember about Sega and Nintendo. What about you, Zoe? I'm going to read Bird Box. Bird Box. Bird Box. Bird Box. Bird Box. San- Sandra Bullock. Written by Sandra Bullock. Is it about bird law? Yes. <laughs> Charlie Kelly. Charlie Kelly. Played by Jude Law. I didn't get Jude your Jude Law? Joke. I didn't if, get your joke, so if, I just put mine in there. If, Jude Law if, Bird Box? If, nope. If there is Wait, a better joke law. to end a To Kill a Mockingbird podcast on than Bird Law. Bird Law. I don't know what it is. Bird, this is a book about Bird Law. It's about Bird Law. To Kill a Mockingbird. <laughs> get your degree in Bird Law. 
Uncle Jack with his big hands. Anyway, guys, thanks for listening Thank you. to the Funny Things Club. Um, do all the things you're supposed to do with podcasts. See you next please. month. Thanks. Bye-bye. If you like this video, give it a comment and a subscribe. Just like press the press that like button right below. <laughs> the little, smash that the like button. Smash that like button. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>